Welcome everyone, welcome to today's live webcast. Um, thank you all for joining us. We're just so glad once again that you've, you're with us. And I'm looking forward to a great evening this evening. Um, just before I introduce our guest, Mark Russell, um, a couple of announcements. First of all, um, my friend Barry, he is not here this week. He is um, enjoying, which is probably the wrong word, he is suffering with the gift that keeps on giving. Um, unfortunately, Barry and Anne uh, have gone down with COVID and um, are just struggling with that um, at the moment. So please, folks, just remember Barry and Anne and Barry's mum in your prayers um, that they really get through this quickly and smoothly. Uh, but Barry's, there he is, he's not able to be with us today, and that's the reason why. Um, so just remember them. Um, sorry not to have Barry with us, but uh, he just felt that was the, the, the better thing. And the other thing just to mention again is our um, Father Heart Encounter Week, uh, 4th to the 10th of March. We've still got spaces, a few weeks' time. Um, we'd love to welcome you to this Encounter Week, Encounter the Father just an opportunity to spend time getting to know who our father is and who we are and really just soaking in his love and uh, I would encourage you to to think about this week and join us um, if you're able all of the details on our website fatherheart.uk forward slash encounter um, bookings will be open for the next two or three weeks um, but we'd love to be able to welcome you. Um, and as I said, as I said before, we're near Birmingham Airport, we're near Manchester Airport, so uh, easy for you to, to to fly in from other countries. Um, but I'm just delighted tonight to welcome our guest, Mark Russell, um, with us. Um, believe it or not, Mark and I have not actually met one another <laughs> yet. Um, we've spoken on the phone, we've, we've been talking for the last half an hour online like this, and um, but it's, it, it's an absolute delight to have Mark with us um, this evening. Um, it must be about 18 months ago that Mark contacted me because he wanted to quote from my book in a book that he was writing, and of course I, I said yes, that was no problem. Um, uh, and when his book came out last summer, I think, Mark, or last spring. May, May last year. Yeah. Last May, I got hold of a copy and read it. And my my first reaction was, I could have written this book. You know, this guy speaks the same language. And you know, as I read through the book, I thought, wow, you know, this is this is what Father's doing. And um, I got in touch with Mark. We had a, a chat on the phone, and I was kind of expecting, you know, to find that our paths somewhere had crossed because, you know, the story was so similar. Uh, but yet, completely different journey. Uh, but yet, the same language, the same heart. Um, we've just, as we've been chatting, we've discovered a few other things. Obviously, our name is both Mark. <laughs> um, We've both been in accountancy and finance for our, our careers for a, for a number of years, and we both gave up our jobs for different reasons in 2021. So um, that's a few things I've learned about Mark over the last half an hour. But um, just before I hand over to Mark to, to share what Father's given him, um, I just thought I would introduce him a bit and just sort of interview him, ask him a few questions about himself and... 
Um, then maybe he'll say a little bit more about himself and uh, he's going to introduce his book as, as well in a few minutes. Um, but Mark, first of all, you're married to Laura. I am, yep. And That's how long? Right. Yeah, 20 years this year. 20 years, well, congratulations. And where do you live? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we live in East Devon, a beautiful part of the country, so we're just inland from the seaside. Um, but so we don't have these summer tourists, but we can go enjoy the sea any time we want. It's beautiful. That's a beautiful part of the country. Wonderful. Brilliant. And when I read your book, you said um, you had an encounter with the father in 2015. Mm, can, you can, you, yes. can you tell us a little bit about that? And I mean, you'll probably say a little bit more later on, but just just tell us a little bit about it and whatever. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, no, I can. Love to. Yeah. So I was at a father heart conference in, in Milton Keynes, I think it was about the beginning of 2015. Um, and, and to be honest with you, it's the first time I'd heard this kind of language, this kind of, um, and, and if I'm honest, it offended me a little. I was like, I'm sure this isn't, what's going on? I, I don't, I, it doesn't fit. And, and, and the father, as he does, lovingly and gently and and so beautifully and softly, just gave me vision after vision of of what he thought about me as his as his child, as his son. Um, and to be honest, that was just the beginning of of a continual journey. I think for, for hopefully for the rest of my life. But I remember, I can remember one particular time after that, I was driving home from work and I was listening to Jonathan Melissa's house's song, No Longer Slaves. And the chorus basically says, I am a child of God. But for the entire 30 minute drive home, it felt like, now this is show how, how, how bad this was, the CD, if anyone remembers what CDs were, had a CD at the time. The CD seemed to be stuck. And it seemed mm-hmm. to be continually playing the chorus, I am a child of God. And I got home to, to, to Laura and I said, just listen to this song. And it just talks about that we're a child of God and, and it's all it does. And she said, yeah, I've been listening to that on repeat for weeks. And I thought I was, you know, observant <laughs> and but clearly it wasn't on my radar until the father just began to... Um, soften my heart and just bring me into that amazing encounter of him as mm. as, our, as our father um, yeah. and since then I've just been on a, a journey ever since of just knowing and trying to understand what that really what that really is yeah I, I love the um, in your book very early on I think it's either in the first chapter or in the introduction you you give us the definition of sonship and I, I'm just going to read it out because I really, really like it because it goes to the nub, it goes to the heart of, of what sonship is. And I think you just put it so well into one sentence. And if I ever write a bookmark, I might come to you asking permission to quote you. <laughs> uh, but uh, Mark said this, he said, sonship is a revelation of the heart which brings us to a place of relationship with the Father, living in the family of God. And I know many of us on, on the webcast, we've 
we've experienced that. We've begun to experience that. And, you know, the longing of our heart is that we all um, go deeper in it. And, you know, Mark, I think, I don't know if your experience was like mine. Did, did, did you get to the stage a few months after this revelation that you felt like you knew it all, only to realise that you didn't know anything? <laughs> Um, I'm not sure what the time frame was, but I can certainly tell you openly and honestly, and maybe a bit vulnerably, when the book was published, um, which obviously the, the book is, is all about that, and all about who we are and, and what it means to be a child of God and how to live in that. But when the book was published, I realised that I was nowhere near as far on as I thought I was. Um, I think, I think, so often you go to you can go to conferences on Father Heart or anything, and the person on the stage can start to start talking, and it's it's almost like they've done it, they've made it, they're you know that's it, that there's no more revelation. And I've got to say, I think I think this journey is is a continual journey for each and every one. You know, since since I've I've written that book. I've just been continually learning and and learning how to live in sonship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, being part of God's family. I remember all that I said about being on stage. I remember I went to another conference, I don't know, 2017, I think it was, um, in Bedford. And I was impressed because every single speaker across the entire four mm-hmm. days, they came up on stage and pretty much said the same thing. They said, I'm on a journey. Yeah. I've not made it yet. Yeah. And and that's that's where I'm at. So absolutely, Mark, you know, wh- wh- whether it's two months on, whenever it was, I haven't made it yet. Yeah. I'm, I still have often thinking at times, but I know my place is as, as a son. Yeah, brilliant. The, um, the, the, the man who founded Father Heart Ministries, a guy called Jack Winter, um, he he would often say, "We're just four-year-olds leading three-year-olds." <laughs> That's it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and you spent you and Laura have spent um, two or three years in Malawi. Yeah, three and a half years. Three tell and a half years. Tell, a, tell us a little bit about that, Mark. Uh, it was absolute pleasure and a privilege. Um, so we felt really called to so we've been visiting Malawi I guess every year since about 2009 and just assumed that a yearly visit was our our mission as as they say and then I guess it's about 2014 God spoke to both Phil and I independently about now moving out there Um, so he he said two years time he gave us some nice time frame um so about 2016, we moved out to Malawi with a heart, really, to train rural church pastors. Um, predominantly, that, that, was our, that was our heart, and, that, and that's what we did. So um, it was a privilege just to minister to, I don't know, 50, 50 odd rural pastors who have no education, don't really understand the Bible, probably some half of them can't even read the Bible. Um, to actually train them and equip them to be able to lead their churches and speak truth and life into into the the, the, the people they're 
that they're leading. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, but also on top of that, we, um, so Laura and I are trained in Bethel Sozo, Bethel Church UK. We're trained in, sorry, Bethel Church Reading, California. So we're trained in, in their, their Sozo ministry, which is an inner healing mm-hmm. tool. And, um, so we were doing that out in Malaya as well with the, um, English speaking locals, um, and a lot of the expats as well, um, in and around the area. Which was beautiful. I can remember one, if, if, sorry, Mark, if you just share one testimony of, uh, I, I remember really, really well. In fact, it's in my book. Um, there was a lady came for, came for a Sosa session and she, she was literally an orphan in, in the, in the physical sense. Um, but, um, had never come across father in that way. She, she, you know, she was felt abandoned, totally and utterly rejected and unloved, um, as you would expect, I guess, being being an orphan or all that comes with that in the real sense of the word. And by the end of the Sozo, she'd had an amazing encounter with with a father, whereby he was he got on one knee and proposed to her, and it was absolutely beautiful just to see her change and, mm. and her appearance just was just literally transformed wow. in front of her eyes and she went out of that hour and a half session a different person. Was she fully healed and set free? I don't think so. There were things going on. But she had in that encounter what she absolutely needed um, in order to be able to progress on in the rest of her life knowing that she was loved by by her father yeah wonderful um and yeah so so the last thing we did um was a surprise to us um god spoke to us clearly about running what we called encounter nights so the opportunities we opened up our house once once a month um just for a couple of hours um and an encounter the fathers we had time of hour of worship and literally just worship and then after that, we would just see what, what the Father wanted to do. And every time was beautiful. Just seeing what, what God did, either through, through prophetic ministry, through laying on of hands, whatever it might be. Um, and we had people come who we didn't even know who they were um, because they'd heard about it. Um, but people came month in, month out because there was a hunger for something more of the love of God. Beautiful. That's it's wonderful. Great to hear that, Mark. And um, I kind of feel we're building up to the book. <laughs> <laughs> the book. <laughs> the book. And, but just, just before we get onto the book, um, Mark and Laura have a website, and um, when Mark is speaking, the, the address will be on the bottom of the screen. And I just encourage you to have a look at that. Um, his book is on Amazon. And as you can see from the shelf behind, it's called In His Image. Um, and I really recommend it. Um, it's, it's an excellent book. It's, it's biblical. It's full of personal stories, personal encounters, just like we've been hearing. Um, but it really does talk about how we are made in the image of the Father. You know, that we are sons like Jesus is a son and that our identity is as a son. And there's one particular chapter that Mark talks about where, um, you know, how 
the the effects of um, the wrong identity we slip into when we're living as orphans. And he he goes through a number of um, responses of the wrong identity. And I found that really, really helpful. So, Mark, I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to hand over to you. And um, I'd like you just to say a little bit more about uh, your book. And then the floor is yours. (laughs) Okay, Um, thank you. So... So, Father, we thank you for this this opportunity to hear what Mark is, is going to bring to us. Father, I thank you for Mark. I thank you for Laura. I thank you for the journey that they've been on and how you've um, just how you've arrested them with your love mm. and how you've poured your love into their heart and how your love is transforming and changing their lives. Father, I I thank you for what you've done in them, what you're doing in them. I thank you, Father, for the opportunities that you're opening up for them in this country just to do Father Heart Days and Father Heart Encounters. And I I just pray, Father, that you will multiply the fruit of their ministry. Father, that it would be your fruit and they would just stand back in amazement at what you do in people's lives. And I pray for us tonight as we, we listen Father, would you open uh, the eyes of our heart that we might see you, that we might hear from you. As Mark speaks, may we hear words from you. Father, I pray that there'll be a real freshness and a depth for each one of us today. And for those who watch the video after, I I, I pray, Father, that they would have that same encounter with you. And that wherever we are on this journey, whether we've been on it one year or 20 years, Father, I pray that we would have an encounter with you today, mm-hmm. an encounter with your love and an encounter with the one who is a father to us. So, Father, I pray your blessing on Mark. And I know Laura's watching in the background somewhere. And I pray your blessing on her. I pray your blessing on all that they do in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mark, over to you. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, it's an absolute privilege to um, be part, part of this webcast um, this, this evening. Um, as, as Mark said, we've, we've chatted a bit and my heart is just for this webcast and for people just to encounter something of the Father. So, Mark, you asked me to talk a little bit more about my book before I, I go on to share what I want to share. So, just in case you can't see it, the book, In His Image, Rediscovering Who We Are. And it's just really a book about knowing who we are as, as his children. Um, someone once said, when we know whose we are, then we begin to know who we are. And, and, and I found that really helpful in, in my own life to first discover whose we are, who we belong to, that Father God is our Father. He's not an abstract kind of spirit being who lives up in the sky somewhere who, who we can't really connect with. He is a Father who absolutely wants to connect with each one of his children. And by default, if we've given our life to Jesus, then we are classed and called children of God. And in my book, I just talk about what what that looks like. I talk about my own journey um, and try and interweave my own journey throughout the entire book as well. Um, some of the key chapters for me are there's one on being forgiven 
um, I've come across so many people who have been believers for a long time and haven't quite grasped or don't fully understand that in Christ we are forgiven no matter end of the end of story. Um, and I, obviously the book is called Made in His Image, so there has to be a chapter about being made in His Image. What that looks like, and just talk about talk about some of the characteristics of of God. He's He's good. He's kind. He's loving. Um, I talk about what that looks like. But if we're made in His image, then by default, we we have the ability and the, and the capacity and the capability to be able to live in exactly the same way. Same way. Um, intimacy. God is wanting to be uh, us to be intimate with Him. You know, we talk about intimacy in 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 earthly sense. You know, husband and wife and and, and all that goes on there and. But the intimacy with Father is so much greater, so much deeper. Um, and he is craving, he's desiring for us to be intimate with him. We all know we're chosen, we all know we're, we're, we're adopted as sons, but I look into those things as well. Some of the other odd things I look at, the apple of his eye, what does that mean? You know, it appears just four times in, in the Bible, but what does it mean? I think it has implications for us um, as as father's children. And then the final chapter just talks about our royal heritage, our royal heritage being in uh, in the palace of the kingdom, God's kingdom, you know, um, and what that looks like and, and how we can actually live um, as royalty, as he intended us to us to live. Um, someone who read my book, they, they've said that it's a must read. Uh, not my words, this, this was somebody I said, must read. They said the book is a journey of into the father heart of God. Um, whether we've known it for years or just exploring it. Um, somebody else said that Mark is infectious in, in his pursuit of Jesus. And, in, and, and this person loved the way that I, I interweave my journey into um, biblical teaching. Um, somebody else wrote that they, they um, that I issue an invitation to experience the Father's love and for us to see who we really are. Um, and that's my heart, that's my desire in, in everything that we, that I do is to allow people to have that encounter with the Father. You see, so it doesn't matter whether we've been on this journey, you know, 50 years or whether we've just started this journey, there is always more that we can encounter uh, with the Father. So with that, I really felt like Mark, Mark said, um, I had a, have an open book. I can teach, I can do whatever, talk about whatever I want to talk about. Um, so I, I do want to, want to lead us into an encounter. But before I do that, I want to lay a platform. Um, and we'll all know the story, I'm sure, from Luke 15 of the prodigal son. We all know the story. There's two parts to that story. There's the first prodigal, but then what's often missed is the, um, and not talked about in churches, is the, is the second son. I talk about the second son in my book as well as the first, but I want to focus on, on the first son. Um, you know the the NIV, I believe, called called calls calls the story the the prodigal the prodigal son. Other other versions call call it the wasteful son or the loving father. Um, 
I like that loving father and the other the other version sorry the other title I would perhaps give it is the good father because actually it's about the father's response to each of his sons um, so let's let's look uh, at that I'm not going to read it um, so I'm, I've used throughout, throughout this whole session I'm, I'm using varying different versions um, some from the NIV possibly some from the NKG some from the sorry the NKJV some from the Passion Translations there's these these key things I'm pulling out of the varying versions. So I want to look at the son firstly. In verse 13 it says he he wasted everything. So so to, to this point he had got he'd he'd asked for his inheritance from the father, which in those days was unheard of and could easily have been kicked out of out of the family home just for that. But the father gave him his inheritance and and the son went off and he wasted it. He wasted it to the point where just three verses later, not just is he feeding the pigs, but he's eating with the pigs. He's eating the very food that the pigs are eating because he's that hungry. He's that destitute. He's that desperate. Um, you know, but let's remember that he came from a very wealthy um, background. His father w- would have been very wealthy. So this wouldn't have been on his radar to even eat with pigs. But he got so low. That's where he was at. And verse 19, he comes to this thought that I'm just not worthy. He felt like that his his claim to be called a son had been lost. He he knew that he'd walked away from his role as a son back home when he when he left the home, left the family home with that inheritance. He knew that he'd he'd walked away from that. He he knew he couldn't come back to to a position of sonship. But he was so desperate, he said, I'm not worthy to be called a son. I'm gonna go back home and I'm just gonna become a servant. You see, servanthood in his mind was his only option. That's all he, he was left to do. It was either that, eat with pigs, or just die. Um, and he, his best option was to go back home, be humble, just be a servant. You know, sonship wasn't, wasn't part of his portion anymore. The servanthood was the most he could even hope for. So that's just a little bit about, about the son. He wasted what he had. He he ate with pigs and he just felt unworthy um, to be called a son. But let's look at some of, the, some of the things of the father in this story. Verse 20, it says, whilst the son was a long way off, the father had been looking while the son was a long way off. That gives the, the essence that the father actually day in, day out, had been looking out for the son. It wasn't a random walking walking out of the house and seeing seeing his son. He, he it was a it was a conscious decision that he made to go and look for the son. So it says he was a long way off. Some some translations translations talk about the father lifting his tunic. Um let me say, in those days, that was never going to happen. A father does not lift his tunic. 
but this father, that's what he did. There was humiliation involved with that. The father was willing to be humiliated in order to be able to go and greet the son. In today's terms, it's like it's like a man running down the high street in his underwear. Um, I've never done that, but I can imagine it's quite humiliating. That's where that's where the father was at. Another word that's talked about the father is compassion. That gives us a sense that the that the father the father's heart ached for his son. He longed to be in a back in a relationship with his son. The idea that it's, it, the father's heart hurt um, and was in pain for the son, wanting, wanting his, his son back. We, we know as well that the father ran to the son. Let me say something else about, about that phrase. In those days, in, the Jew, in, in, in that environment, men do not run. Men do not run, but the father chose to run. Why? Was he that eager to meet his son? Yes, he was. But there was something else going on there. Because tradition suggests that had the villages got to the son first, the son would have been shamed, he would have been humiliated, and he would have been banished from from the um, community and the town um, forever. But the father had to get there first. And so the father takes it upon himself to, to, to disregard Jewish society, disregard the laws of the day in order to meet the son face to face before anybody else get there. Because for the father, shame and humiliation was not what he wanted his son to carry. He runs in love. He loves the son so much that he's willing to humiliate himself in order that his son is set free from that shame and that humiliation. Also talks that the father hugged him. Now let's, let's remember the son was feeding the pigs. Pigs stink. The son had been eating the very food of the pigs. The son probably hadn't showered, hadn't washed in days, and yet the, the father runs up to him and hugs him. For the father, you see, it's not about the stink, it's not about the smell, it's about the presence of his son back with him. And the last thing that, that I want to pull out from from the father is that the father then kissed him again he would have smelt he would have smelt really bad he would have been really filthy and yet he kissed him with tender love i am sure i can add any more to that that just paints a picture of the father putting his son first the father saying i don't care what my son feels like. I don't care what people are going to say about me. My priority is my relationship with my son. I'm his father. He's my son. So the father's response is not one of receiving a servant, 
but of welcoming a, a loving son. And let's, let's not forget that the son had made this pact. He practiced his lines of, of saying he's going to come back home and saying, I make me a hired man. And yet the father interrupts the son's speech. So the father's hugged him, the father's kissed him. They, they maybe embrace a bit more. And then I get the, I kind of get the sense the son pulls away. He's embarrassed by all of this. And he's got this thought that he has to come back as a servant. He can't go back as a servant. And so, and so he starts his speech. And he says, Father, make me one of your men. But he doesn't get that far. He doesn't get that far. The father interrupts the speech. And instead, the father says, in the Passion Translation, says, Son, you're home now. You see, for the father, the return of the son is sufficient. There's no conditions that are required. The, the son isn't expected to carry out any kind of duty. He's not expected to do anything. He's welcome back as he is, as he was before he left as a son. His, his position is completely restored because of how the father feels about him. No conditions. But the story talks more. It doesn't just talk about the son, it doesn't just talk about how the father reacts and runs up to the son and interacts with the son. The father then gives the son three, I like to call symbols. The first one is a robe. He tells his hired men to go and get a robe. That robe speaks of restoration. The robe speaks of forgiveness. The robe speaks of acceptance. See, the father's not covering the son. He's honouring him. He's honouring him in a robe of sonship. Where, where the son felt shame and humiliation, the robe covers all of that. But it's not just covered. Actually, I think it's much more than that. With the robe being being placed on the son, it completely removes any shame or humiliation the son may feel. And the son is able to move shame to sonship. And that symbol alone would have spoken volumes to the people around. Then, of course, the second symbol was a ring. It's a ring of affection. It's a ring of authority. It's a ring of wealth and dignity. We all know the story in uh, in Esther, where 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 the king has a ring, and and that speaks of authority, and it's and it's the signet ring, and he and he um, causes what's the phrase? Imprints things. You know when you have things from 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 Buckingham Palace, for example, it's stamped with, with an imprint. And that imprint in those days would have been from the ring. And again, the placing of the ring said, you're my son. You see, servants don't have authority. Servants don't have any kind of wealth. This symbol to the son said, you're not a servant. You're a son. You have the same authority that I have. 
because you're in my family. You have the same wealth that I have because you're part of my family as a son. And then the final, the final symbol I want to look at was the sandals, the shoes. Like, like in most cultures, in cultures of the day, people of poverty live without shoes. And yet for the son to receive sandals, it, it, it speaks of access to the father's riches. It's the final sign of the return to sonship. As I say, slaves would be barefoot, but sons wear shoes. For the son, his position is now fully restored back as a son, back in, the, in his rightful place. You see, for the father, there was never any thought that the son would return to anything less than a son. The son returned with nothing. The son expected nothing. And yet the father gave him everything. So I want us, I want us to um, spend a bit of time just encountering the father. I want to lead us through um, a time of just imagining that we're the son and I'm going to lead us through that journey of of the son and lead us through the journey of being embraced by the father and and him giving us those three symbols um so if you just mark I don't know if you've got any background music you can put on but I just want to encourage you sit back and just focus on the Father. Listen to the Father. Imagine, imagine yourself then as the Son, as that Son. You've wasted everything. And you think the only thing I can do is go back to my, go back to my dad as, as a hired servant. What do you feel? You might feel trepidation. You might feel fear. You might feel some shame. You might feel humiliation. But you slowly, with those feelings, begin to take a step forward in your mind to, towards heading back home to the, to the Father. And then you notice in the distance you see this man running towards you. And as he gets closer, you see that it's your father. How does that make you feel that the father is running towards you? The father has been looking out and he sees you and he begins to run as fast as he can to you. Maybe you still feel a bit like, oh, he's going to shout at me. Oh, he's going to kick me out of the family home. I can't even come back as as a servant but his heart is aching for you as he gets closer he senses something about his, his facial expressions that's not one of anger there's not one of hatred there's not one of rejection but it's one of love it's one of compassion And then he just, without warning, comes up and gives you a hug. He holds you. 
begin to feel his tenderness towards you, to begin to feel his gentleness towards you, begin to relax in that, in that tender embrace. What does your heart feel? What does your heart feel as you're, as you're, as you're being hugged by your father? Maybe you're still a bit uncertain, but let your heart begin to melt. Let your heart respond to the love and the embrace of the Father. And then as, as you do that, just allow him to kiss you. Allow him to kiss you. What does that feel like? See, so the kiss is an unconditional love. It's the love that says, I don't care what's happened. I love you. You're my son. I love you. I love you. I love you. It's a kiss that says, you're mine. Just listen in your heart as the Father says, you're mine. Maybe the Father begins to kiss you again. Just let your heart melt even more as he, as he kisses you and he says, I love you. And then he turns to his hired servant and he says to him, quick, go get a robe. And the servant comes and brings the robe and he wraps you in that robe. And the father says, you're forgiven. You're restored. You're accepted. Whatever it was that you felt um, right at the beginning of the trep maybe trepidation or fear or shame of coming back to the Father, that robe completely covers and removes all of those feelings. And, he cl and you're clothed in righteousness. You're clothed in restoration. You're clothed in forgiveness. But there's more. The father gets his own ring and puts it on your finger. And again he says, Son, I love you. You have all of my authority. He says, all that I have is yours. The wealth that I have, you share in that. He says, son, you're my child. You're my child. And then he gets the shoes and he places them on your feet. 
you are now complete as his son. You're fully restored back into sonship. You're no longer a slave. You're no longer a servant. You are now a loved son. Fully, completely, totally restored. What does that feel like in your heart? As he says these things that you're his son, that he loves you, that shame isn't your portion, fear and trepidation isn't your portion, you're not rejected, he's not disappointed in you, he loves you because he loves you, because he loves you, he loves you because you're his son. And he loves you. He says, son, you're home now. You're home now. There's a place of belonging. And this is it. This is your home. This is where you belong. I just want, to, I want you to imagine yourself walking hand in hand with the Father, heading back to the family home, wearing the robe, wearing the ring, wearing the shoes. And the Father says to other stuff to go and get a cow and slaughter it. Because there's going to be a big party, there's going to be a celebration. And that celebration is for one person. It's for you. The Father is holding a banquet for you. You are his guest of honour. You get to sit at the head of the table with him. You get to be served first. The food, the wine is the best, it's the choicest. And again, the father says, son, you're home now. Just, just want to encourage us to, to marinate in this truth in his full acceptance of you, in his full acceptance of his love for you and allow him to love on you. Let his love wash over you. It's like a liquid love flowing from top to bottom, from head all the way down to your toes, every part of being is like dripping all over you. It's soft and it's warm. 
and this love is for you today. This love is for you tomorrow. This love is for you forever. You see, there's nothing that we can do that will make him love us more. And there's nothing that we can do that will make him love us less. All he requires of us is to walk in that love. I just wonder whether the Father is beginning to speak to some of you about, about some of those things, maybe fear. You've, you've held on to fear for so long, for whatever reason. I just feel like the Father wants to love it out of you, because his love is sufficient. See, there is no fear in love. The love of the Father surpasses all fear. The road that is put on you covers that fear. Since it's the Father saying it's time to stop partnering with the fear. It's time to stop walking in agreement with that fear. It's time to walk in some... as a son. You're home now. You are loved. Sovereignhood is your portion. Sonship is your inheritance. You are now royal sons and daughters. picture of, of him just placing a crown on your heads and anointing you with oil. He's again, you are my royalty. You're my prince or my princess. You have the authority of the king. You have the authority of the king. Son, you're home now. 
Lord, I want to pray for every single person who's watching this now. I want to pray for every person who watches this in the future. I want to pray that each person that continues to encounter the love of the Father continues to understand what it means to be a child of the living God, what it means to be a child of the King. Father, I ask that each person would have a hunger and a desire to not stop, but to keep experiencing, to keep tasting, and to keep continually getting, getting greater revelation of who we are as your children. Father, bless every single person who listens to this webcast. I pour out on each one of them the love of the Father. And I say finally one more time, you're home now. Amen. Bless you. It's been a privilege um, to be able to minister, to share, to talk from my heart. Thank you. Mark, thank you. <laughs> you know, that story, Luke 15, we, we've heard so we've heard about it so many times but every time there's something fresh and mm. I just felt as you were leading us that, in that encounter there was a real sense of Father's presence mm. Um, mm. certainly I felt that and I know many others would have done so Mark bless you thank you thank you so much thank you for being with us thank you for giving the time it's been an honour privilege pleasure bless you and I trust one day soon we will actually get to meet one another in person. Yes, indeed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. And um, yeah, look forward to hearing more about what's going on in your life and, and ministry. You can get Mark's book on Amazon. It's available in paperback and I believe in Kindle format as well. That's correct, yeah, absolutely. And um, you've seen his all, website. All across, all across the countries, any country, any pretty country. much. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. So thank you. Thank you for joining us, folks, once again. Um, next week, uh, I'm in Poland. I leave for Poland on uh, Friday. I'm doing a Father Heart Encounter starting on Sunday. And really looking forward to that. We've got a, a good number of participants um, and I'll be leading that with Net from the Netherlands is joining me. We've got a great team of people working with us. And I'm just so excited and looking forward to the Father touching people's lives with his love. So if you remember us next week, please pray for us. Please keep praying for Barry and Anne and Barry's mum. If, if all is well, if Barry is well, he will be back um, next week, next Wednesday on the webcast. And um, I know that'd be a good time. So. Once again, Mark, thank you, and thank you for thank joining you. us, everybody, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Bye.